Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, August 6th. The year 2020, and honored to be joined by a fill-in co-host, good friend of the show, friend of mine, been on with us as a guest many, many times, Rick Saratella. He's going to be filling in for Gino Bacola, because unfortunately, Gino, and hopefully some of the listeners will give him their well wishes, but uh, his dog, Rolly, passed away. And so um, a big hello to you, Gino, if you're listening, and uh, we miss you. We'll look forward to having him back next week. Um, but we got the man, Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible. Rick, what is up, my man? Hey, Mike. Just happy to be here filling in for Gino. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity here to chop it up. I, I sharpened up the axe. I'm ready to grind. And, uh, you know, shout out to Roly and, and Gino and, and Mike and Andrew behind the scenes. I'm ready to, uh, you know, get things started here. Nice. Nice. I, I love it, man, because... There, there really is a lot to talk about. You know, there's some shows where you kind of feel like, especially during that, you know, COVID period where there were no sports going on and stuff, you're like, okay, you know, how are we going to manufacture some topics? And fortunately, it's come pretty naturally. But now we're at the stage where like an hour really isn't enough. There's just a lot to talk about right now. Things are really picking up momentum. Obviously, now I feel like we're in full swing in baseball. NFL camps just opened up. But there's also a lot of college news trickling in, and I know that's one area of expertise. And before we get to our first guest, and we'll talk a little NFL and some Saints football, just overall, what are your thoughts uh, about some of these conference decisions that are coming down the pipe here? Well, you know, good point you make before I dive into that, Mike. I mean, we've got the MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL all underway here. And uh, playing a season at the same time. So you're, you're right. I mean, it's just the sports news just keeps on ticking. And, you know, these conference decisions that are being made, I think, are just kind of, you know, <clears throat> really uh, from the people I talk to behind the scenes, still kind of, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Let's hold our breath here and hope that nothing crazy goes on. But I, I take a look at the Big Ten. You know, you've got Rutgers is shut down. Michigan State is shut down. Northwestern is shut down. Indiana and and Maryland have shut down at some point. That's five teams right there. And, oh, by the way, Illinois has 23 positive players, but they're still practicing. I mean, you know, you got five or six teams there that are in uh, endangered species territory in the Big Ten. It's like how many teams have to shut it down until the commissioner says, hey, you know what? Uh, This might not be a good idea. And a quick hit before we get to our first guest. What are your thoughts on the West Coast with the, uh, you know, Pac-12 issues that are that are happening, led by you know a player coalition, a player movement, sure, uh, for unity and really, you know, it's it's both uh, kind of social justice flavor, but really it's about you know the the COVID situation and actually really it's all all the above. But maybe you could kind of share some insight into that. Well, I think it's great to see the players kind of realize that for once of the very few times in history, they have a platform and the power to 
take a stand, have a voice, and be heard. And I think it's great what they're pushing for. And I think some of the requests are, you know, a, a bit unrealistic. But you know, the Pac-12, UCLA, uh, you know, Lou Alcindor, and the history there uh, with athletes being proactive for social justice. I think it's a great way to use their platform. The PAC 12 has come out and try to, you know, kind of meet some of those demands. And, you know, again, the big 10 is also, I think have some kind of demands that they put out, but the PAC 12 had over 400 players, some very big names, top names uh, behind that. So, you know, we'll see how that develops. Well, you know, we're, majority if not all these guys from the Pac-12 you know where they want to be next year they want to be in the NFL so let's get to the NFL and uh we'll we'll come back circle back and talk a little college football as well but we've got our first guest on the line Nick Underhill regular guest of ours over the years we love having him New Orleans Saints beat rider of course he covered the Patriots for us not for us but I mean he delivered the Patriots news to us um last year Nick you're on with Mike and Rick. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure having you. So I'm going to kind of start with the uh, the big elephant in the room, the white elephant in the room, uh, which is some positive COVID tests today. Uh, one involved my client, <laughs> Zach Wood. Uh, and, and I'll kind of get into <laughs> some specifics about uh, kind of his situation because I really don't think it's a positive test. But Kind of walk us through, you know, who who's tested positive? How does the news trickle into you and to the league? And, you know, what what do you think of this process so far as we're just a couple of days into, you know, the, the early parts of the NFL training camp? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about the virus is every time you start to feel comfortable with the virus, it reminds you that, you shouldn't be comfortable, you know, like the, the Saints had started out really well coming into camp. Nobody had caught it. And, uh, you know, every single day the, the list comes out on, on the wire, you look at it and I've been tweeting every day. Oh, no test for the Saints, no test for the Saints. Yesterday was the first day I didn't do it. It was like, Oh, well, it's normal. Everybody expects there to be zero tests with the Saints. And then today there's, there's two positives. So, you know, it's just kind of a reminder that no matter what you do, you can't stay ahead of it. And the Saints have tried really hard. They, they rented out a hotel, uh, downtown in New Orleans, the whole the whole hotel, it's just them in there. And, you know, about there's probably about 170 people staying there between the team, support staff, coaching staff, uh, you know, PR people. It's, it's a, you know, a hefty operation. And there's maybe 20 or 30 guys that, that have been staying at home, choosing to stay with their families. But the idea is, is to, you know, limit the exposures. And, you know, everybody that goes out, you're encountering other people. And, you know, if you're, if you're just out living, it's a lot of people coming to the facility. So the Saints have tried to, to you know, circumvent some of that and lower the odds. But, I mean, it's just not a possible task. It's, it's going to show up at some point. So, you know, they got the first two today. One was your guy, Zach Wood. The other one is uh, linebacker, Caden Ellis. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if it, if it spreads from there. So far, they, they've done a good job. But it's just going to be something that everybody has to deal with. And I think... Honestly, the teams that, that do a good job with it and, and keep it out, I think that's going to be I – don't, I don't even know where to put a percentage on it, but it's got to at least be like 30%, 40% of the puzzle. If you're a team that kind of avoids this better than everybody else, that, it's going to be a huge factor. You know, if your talent's not out there, it's not available, you know, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. So it could be a weird year if, you know, like 
I don't know, Arizona is the one team, and nobody's going to go the whole year without it, but if there was a team that went the whole year without it, they're going to win games they shouldn't have won. And, you know, that, that's the thing that that's, somebody's going to have to figure it out, a, a way to keep this away. You know, the hotel idea might be the best idea, but it might not. I mean, it, it's it's been penetrated, you know, already within a week. So we'll just kind of see how it goes from here. Hey, Nick, it's Rick here. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I enjoy following you on the New Orleans football website. You're doing a great job over there. Um, you know, I want to stick to this COVID theme here because, you know, I think one, one situation we have, and as of this morning, there were 65 positive tests around the league. And, you know, I know another 60 guys or so had opted out as of Tuesday and, and the deadline was today. So, you know, we've got probably close to 150 or 200 players that are either on this COVID list or opted out. But, you know, speaking to your point about how the Saints are taking the precautions and Sean Payton, in terms of uh, my memory serves correct, was the first person really in the NFL affiliated uh, or, or to contract the COVID really early on in the process before we started reporting the team facilities. And I saw the memo that went out to the Pro Football Writers of Association uh, either uh, this week or last week in terms of restrictions and guidelines, I would imagine with Peyton and his history of having this uh, terrible, terrible uh, disease, I mean, I, I would imagine that the restriction is, is very limited. What is your interpretation of what kind of access you will have to the team? And, you know, will you even be allowed to the facilities? Yeah, so it's it's going to be a lot different this year. It's going to be a lot of Zoom calls. You know, I I don't think we'll talk to anybody in person until you know. Hopefully, we're talking to people in person in, in 2021. But I, I don't expect anything this season. No, no face to face contact. I think teams are allowed to make uh, coaches available to. So there's like different tiers of, of media access. There's tier 2M, and then there's like a tier 30A, which tier 2M are, are the people that are getting uh, COVID tested and you know, they'll have a little bit more access than, you know, the 3OA guys. So those people, if they want, can talk to the coach in person. But at the same time, he's on a Zoom. So, I mean, you know, I know down here the media just said, hey, like, we'll just all hop on the Zoom. Like, it's it's kind of chaotic if there's people trying to ask questions over a computer plus people trying to ask questions in person. But, you know, there'll be no locker room access. Um We'll still be able to go out there and, and watch practice. You know, in a normal year, you, you'd be able to go to every single one. I think down here, like, people might have to miss, like, two, three, or four practices each. So everybody's taking a, a little bit of a hit. But, you know, however this thing goes for the Saints, I, I, I want to get training camp at least because I need to see Payson Hill and Jameis Winston battle. Like, if there's no Drew Brees season, I mean, that would be awful. But I at least want to, uh, you know, quench that curiosity a little bit. But, you know, we're, we'll see how it goes. I mean, the thing with the league is, is I don't think they're going to lay down. You know, it, it, they're going to take this thing as far as they can. I think they've shown that. I think they've shown that they don't care about public pressure or public perception so much. You know, I think in the NBA, if there was there were people testing positive and, and there were outbreaks, you know, 200 people, I, I don't know what percentage of the league that is, but, you know, it's a decent percent. The NBA would be done right now. Like, they, they care about that stuff. The NFL is going to push through until it gets drastic. So, you know, I, I this might be foolish, but I, you know, given that, I, I feel semi confident that there's going to be a season forced through one way or another, whether it goes easy or it doesn't. I think it would take a whole lot to shut this thing down. 
now one of the things that you know when you when you examine the different leagues, the NBA has the bubble. Kind of sounds like Peyton has created, or the Saints have created, you know, kind of like a mini bubble, uh, if you will. I guess uh, my one of the things I'm kind of wondering is, you know, we we saw with baseball when you had an influx of positive tests, like the Marlins or or the Cardinals. You know, they were able to, you know, basically postpone games for a while. Have you asked Coach Peyton? Because I believe he's been involved, I don't know if he was this year, but in years past in the competition committee and stuff, as to what maybe some of the plan Bs are if they have to push a game out here or there. Uh, that's a part A of the question. The part B of the question is with, with when it comes to sp- specific state protocols like a quarantine from the state of New York, uh, you know, 14 days and that type of thing, you know, what are your thoughts about those? What have you heard about those? How are how are the league? How is the league going to overcome those obstacles with a specific emphasis on the Saints? So the the first part, yeah, I, Sean, you know, he he didn't divulge Plan Bs or anything, but he he did say, I think it was last week he, he was talking about it, and you know, he said that they're expecting delays and postponements and things of that nature, and I think that's probably just realistic. I mean, this thing isn't going to go without hiccups like some team's going to get wiped out at some point you know like someone's going to bring it in and as diligent as they are on the test it's it's a day late and if somebody comes in and they catch it and they bring it in like it's going to spread and at some point you're going to have to make a decision where safety plays a part and if that thing hits your offensive line and everybody's taken out you know you can't sign seven guys off the street start five have your two backups you know to protect Patrick Mahomes like you just can't put somebody at risk like that so if something like that happens like at some point there's going to be games shut down and you know the good thing is is that you know if there's no fans in in the seats or anything you can really push this thing back and delay things or go every other week or or whatever you would need to do to get the season in because you know it's not going to be a major disruption to move a Super Bowl because nobody's going to be at the Super Bowl probably so I, you know, I, I think that's the one thing they have on their side is that, you know, there's a lot of time here and this can be delayed if they need to delay it or, or whatever needs to happen. Now, you know, I think everybody's hoping that it'll get through, you know, as close as on schedule as possible. But, you know, it's just uh, it's just hard to see it happening. You know, everybody plays their 16 games. There's the playoffs and the Super Bowl and it's just all done and, and clean. Uh you know, as far as the travel, I don't know about New York. I know Pennsylvania at one point had some stuff going on, and, and they waived. Uh, I don't know if it was Pennsylvania as a whole or Philadelphia, but, you know, they, they waived some of the travel restrictions and, and things like that. So I think you'll probably see a lot of that with, you know, the football teams. Everybody's getting tested daily or, you know, every other day if the number goes low enough. I think 5% it goes to every other day. You know, if they do that, I, I don't think it's super irresponsible to have people coming in if they're, you know, if they can produce clean tests, they're going to be around only other people that are tested and, you know, it's, it's in and out. So, you know, the thing I'm interested to see is how many teams alter their travel so that they aren't staying at hotels. Like there's just a lot of things that you can do to, to minimize the risk for your team a little bit. And, you know, a team like the Saints stay in a hotel, I wouldn't be surprised at all in games where it's feasible and logical and it's, you know, not too much stress on anybody for them to come in and be out the same day. And you do that and it's, you know, one, one night of, not having to worry about people going out and, you know, getting something to eat or, or whatever. Like, if you're on the road, I think that it becomes a little bit harder to control the actions of everybody. 
<clears throat> well, I will tell you that here in New Jersey, Governor Murphy is about as strict as it comes with the travel regulations. He did deem uh, sports teams essential, uh, essential em- employees, so that would be waived. And I do know real quickly here that the NFL, this is not confirmed, just what I heard is that they have rented the hotels in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl. They have kind of extended that for the four weeks past the date. So I do believe there is a contingency plan. Now, Nick, I want to get to some actual real football. We only have about two minutes left to play with. But I'm curious to know, like, who's your bust-out candidate here for the upcoming season? I'm hearing a lot of good things about this Traquan Smith. Uh, I think he could be a candidate. Is that the guy that you know the team really needs to take a step up here, or who's the uh, player that you think could really take a significant jump here in 2020? I, I'm not going to go with Traquan Smith. Uh, I think it's kind of a make or break year for for him. Actually, he's he's kind of had trouble picking up the playbook. I mean, there's talent there, but you know he, he's going to be moved down to the the third receiver behind Emmanuel Sanders and, and Mike Thomas and that might actually help him produce a little bit more consistently but i i just don't see him having uh, huge numbers uh you know this isn't so much like a under radar guy but i i do think that Jared Cook the way he played during the second half of the season kind of puts him you know in, in a position to to really hit the ground running he was hurt early last year then Breeze got hurt then when the two of them were together it was kind of uh you know, touch and go as far as the chemistry went, and then it kind of locked in towards the end of the season before he got hurt again. But, you know, there's a stretch there of, like, six games where he was playing really well, they were both healthy. You take those numbers and you stretch them out. Like, it's an absurd yardage total. Uh, you know, if you were to go 16 games, it would have been, like, 1,200 yards. I don't think he's going to do that just because there's not that many targets to go around in the offense. You know, Sanders is going to have to get his. Mike Thomas gets his. Kamara is going to get his. But... I do think that Jared Cook could be close to a thousand yard player and even if he doesn't hit that number, I think on film he'll he'll look like a top tier tight end the whole season. They just really had a special connection going there and if you know I, I think they should be able to tap back into that and keep it going. Nick, final question for you. Do we start the NFL season on time this year? What's your gut telling you? I'm gonna do a quick Quick answer and ask you a question. I think, okay. yes, they will start on time because they're going to force it through no matter what, like unless it gets really bad. I want to hear the Zach Wood thing from you before I get off the phone. So here's the deal. He, in order, first of all, the Saints as well as other teams, you got to pass, uh, you got to have two consecutive negatives in order to be able to enter the facility. So Zach had... The first one, then he got the second one. And then they gave him an antibody test. I don't know if it's anti, anti, whatever. And the antibodies test. And he tested positive, which means that there are the antibodies in there to, I don't know, the medical jargon, but to protect him, to be able to fight it off, to stave it off, the virus. So yesterday he actually called me up and he's like, hey, good news. I'm like, what's that? He's like, I tested positive, and right when I heard that, I'm like, there's nothing good about that, just for a split second. And then he said, for the antibodies test. And I was like, oh, I'm like, great. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's good. I don't know if that's 100% effective in terms of, you know, you can uh, take off the mask and, and put, you know, your arm around your teammates, but, uh, but at least, you know, you, you've maybe had some exposure or some defense against it. So this morning, gets a call at 6 a.m., from the trainer who tells him, hey, you've tested positive. 
for the coronavirus. But he said, but he told him straight up, look, I would not worry about this because we've seen and heard about this type of pattern, not necessarily within the Saints locker room, but around the league. And that in these type of situations where we know the guy isn't going out, he's just going to and from um, on top of this, the pattern in general, that there have been a lot of false positives. So Zach took another test, get the results for it tomorrow morning. Uh, because I speak with him so regularly, you know, he's not a party guy. He's not, he doesn't go out, uh, at least not during the season. He'll have a nice time during the offseason. But I know, I know as a fact, you know, that he, you know, leaves the facility and, and goes to his place and then comes back in the morning. There's not a lot of contact in between. I, I can tell you as a fact that the only deviation was a quick stop at the grocery store. I know he's social distanced, et cetera. So we're going to wait and see what it says tomorrow. Maybe I'll eat crow for being so confident that he does not have it, but I don't think I will eat crow. <laughs> I, I don't think he's got the coronavirus. And if he does, he absolutely has zero idea how he would have got it. And I know a lot of other people have said that too, but I mean, He's not in the situation where he's, you know, in a pool with a bunch of, you know, you know, that kind of Memorial Day scene that we saw or Fourth of July, nothing like right. that at all. So it would have been really, really just unlucky kind of fluky thing. Well, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy. There, there's been a bunch of these already. So, I mean, yep. it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he, if he got a false positive. Yeah. And, I, and, and here's the thing. The, the, there's a reason, by the way, and I know we're way over on the break, uh, but I think it's important to get it out. It's 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 really important that the league knows and has a pulse on which players are acting up, if you will, or ba- bad behaviors, bad actors, and which ones aren't. And so, you know, if I know definitively that my client has not been a bad actor, I'm going to go out of my way to let that be known. And we discussed it, and if he just got unlucky and tested positive, we'll find out in the morning – then I'm actually we've talked about it. We're going to issue a, a statement and and let everybody know that he has not been going out. He hasn't been doing anything. He's followed all the safety protocols. Uh, you know he's he's adhered to everything. And uh, you know I think it's worth mentioning. And this isn't the reason that I'd be going out of the, my way, but maybe one of the reasons. The NFL could dock some pay if they find that there's some bad right. behavior going on. So uh, these are important factors for a lot of reasons. I think. For the at the top of the list, it's the players' health and safety. I'm more concerned about Zach as my client, as my friend, more than anything else. Then secondary would be his teammates and letting your teammates down. Nobody wants that. And then the salary and compensation aspect of it. So, Nick, that is all the time that we've got. We've got a commercial break, and we already have our next guest lined up as well. But Great insight about the Saints, as always, Nick. You can check out Nick Underhill uh, at NewOrleans.Football, and he's a great Twitter follow as well, Nick underscore Underhill. Nick, thank you as always, man. Appreciate it. Yep, take it easy. All right. Thank you, Nick. Nick. That's Nick Underhill. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to come back and talk some baseball with Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to shift the focus from a very fascinating conversation that we just had, Rick, with uh, Nick Underhill, who always delivers, always brings it with the insight, great NFL insider with the Saints. We're going to shift to baseball, actually, from uh, my old stomping grounds, obviously being here in L.A., uh, always going to have love for the Bay Area, born and raised. And uh, even though I'm not an A's or Giants fan, I enjoy seeing it, especially when the A's win, because they're small market team, uh, if you know what I mean, Rick, and they're going up against the the, the Giants, uh, the, 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 the behemoths like the Yankees and Red Sox over the years, et cetera. So let's get some real insight with Melissa Lockhart of the Athletic MLB, the Athletic SF Bay Area. Melissa, good afternoon. How are you? You're on with Mike and Rick. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, Melissa. How's it going? So the A's, the A's are going well. The A's, uh, winners of nine of their first 13 games. And you know, I've uh, I've really tried to soak in as much baseball as possible, especially because they've kind of staggered the start times a little bit. Just caught the ending of this uh, A's game. They just beat the Texas Rangers 6-4. to four. And I'm pulling up the box score, and I'm looking at it, and I see Simeon's batting 179, Chapman 196, Olsen 190, Chris Davis 185. And yet, they've won six out of nine at home, nine of the first 13 ball games. I know pitching wins games, but what has been the formula so far? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, Pitching does win games, and definitely in this case, it's been their bullpen that has been the hero so far, for sure. I mean, 
Um, their starters weren't going particularly deep early. They've started to get a little more length out of the rotation as they've gone like a second time through. But um, the bullpen has been almost unhittable. And uh, whether they've come in in like the fourth inning or they've come in and even the first game of the season, they had that. They were the first team to have to deal with a runner on second base and that new rule and extra innings stranded that runner and were able to hit a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the 10th inning. And uh, it's been pretty much like that the whole season for their bullpen. And, um, you know, you, you can't count on a bullpen being like that for a whole year, of course, but uh, when you're looking at the fact that the rotation is now just starting to get to where they had sort of hoped it would be and the uh, the bats are starting now to just heat up, I think it's a good thing for them that they can feel well about the fact that they weren't hitting all that well and still managed to win nine of their first, you know, um, 14, 13 games, whatever it is. Hey, Melissa, Rick here. You know, um, I see this James Capriello that you were talking about, the first A's player to get called up from that alternate site and he came up and, and delivered in a big way uh how much of a role can he play here for the a's this year what are kind of the goals and expectations for him well caprillion actually didn't didn't pitch he came up and then went back down before um before he went but i think casey Lazardo probably is who who you're thinking of and um you know he's a guy who uh he actually got a late start in summer camp because he tested positive for, for COVID at the start of that camp. Um, but as soon as he was cleared, came back in um, and had managed to keep himself in good enough shape and isolation that it took only two relief appearances for him to finally make his uh, major first major league start, which came on Tuesday. And, you know, five shutout innings against the Rangers, uh, matched Lance Lynn pitch for, pitch for pitch, and Lynn's been as good as any pitcher in baseball so far this year. Um, and, you know, Lazardo's a guy I think that, as long as he's healthy, he could be their best starter. And, um, you know, he's got the upper 90s velocity. He's got secondary pitches that keep hitters off balance. He's got good command. And kid's only 22, but he's got an old soul. And he's somebody who uh, absorbs a lot of information from everybody that he talks to. Um, and he's really taken to all the veterans on the staff, and they've really enjoyed kind of giving him advice, and he absorbs it. And so I think he's only going to get better and better as he gets older. Hey, Melissa, I kind of want to go back to the hitting for a quick second. As a team, and I think this is prior to today's game, the, the team batting average is 206. Is it just one of those things where it's, you know, you have the spring training back in March, and then you have this long gap, and it's just tough to kind of get into that groove when you're just thrown back out there with a modified summer session to get ready? Or what have you been your observations in watching this team closely as to uh, wh- why they're not hitting as of yet. Yeah, I mean, I think slow starts in general uh, for hitters is, are not unusual, especially you know when you're looking at pitching tends to be ahead of hitting um, at the start of seasons, and so when you compound that with the fact that you know they they only had like two games to get ready and a few inter squads before that, um, you know you're you're kind of feeling like this is the beginning of spring training in some ways, maybe that second or third week of spring training when people start to kind of catch up to those fastballs. And there's been a lot of pitches the first couple of weeks that you've seen uh, guys like Marcus Simeon or Matt Chapman or uh, even Matt Olson uh, pop up pitches that they normally drive out of the park and they're just missing them. And I think it's just a matter of timing. You started to see that with Matt Olson's three home runs in the last two games. Um, so it's coming around for him. Chapman had a home run um, on Tuesday. He's still, I think, finding his way a little bit. But, you know, there's sort of signs that they're coming out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the key for them is that they were able to ride out this uh, early start to the season where they weren't hitting all that well. And really it was only 
uh, Ramon Laureano and Mark Hanna that were doing much damage at the plate and still managed to come out of it with a good record, I think is a good sign for when those bats do heat up, even if the bullpen regresses a little bit. Yeah, I mean, winners of six in a row, they've got a great run differential uh, on the plus 15 side. I know Rick wanted to jump in. I wanted just to quickly ask, just within their division, you know, Texas is off to a slow start. You know, Seattle, I don't think, is really expected to contend. The Angels have had some um, maybe unexpected issues with Shohei Itani, and they just kind of seem like they're not yet gelling. And the Astros, who are supposed to be, you know, kind of the, the big player in the division, after a lot of turmoil this offseason, which is an understatement, they just have to be feeling good winners of six in a row. We're almost at the quarter mile pole already. Do you think that we're going to see one of those runs where they win like 20? I mean, no, teams don't often win 20 games, but it almost feels like this team you know, they're not hitting and they're winning and they could really put some separation during these next couple of weeks here. I mean, do you kind of sense that there's something special here this year? Well, I think they've always been pointing to this year as sort of the year for them. I think that was what was kind of particularly devastating when everything got shut down in the spring was that they were playing really well at the end of spring training. They know how talented they are. They felt like after two years of frustration of being in that wild card game and not being able to advance past it, that they were, you know, ready to take a full step in a full season. So, you know, it's, it's always hard with a short season to know what's the ultimate factor is going to be. I mean, I think they've been fortunate so far that they haven't absorbed the same level of injuries that a team like the Astro ha- Astros has. And of course that can change on a team at any moment. But, um, you know, I think from a talent perspective, even before all of this, um, and even before the Astros had their injuries, they felt good with where they stood against them. And, um, you know, offensively, I think the Astros are as good as any team in baseball. Um, on the pitching side, of course, the injuries have bit into it. And if they can take advantage of that part of it, um, you know, I think they're they're set up pretty well. And I sort of made an analogy uh, earlier this week that, um, you know, the way that the schedule set up division games are worth almost, you know, twice what they normally are in a regular season because you're playing so much of your schedule against your division team. And, you know, where you end up in the standings is really decided on how well you do against your interdivision opponent. So it sort of feels like college football, you know, where you've got your conference games that mean a lot more than your non-conference games do. Um, so, you know, so far their conference games, they've taken care of business and they've got three against the Astros starting tomorrow where they really get a chance to measure themselves. Um, you know, they face Zach Greinke in the opener, and I think that's a good, a good challenge for them. Um, but, you know, if they come out of that with a series win, I think they'll feel really good about where they're at. Well, speaking of everybody's favorite team, the Houston Ashers, uh, <laughs> Melissa, you know, they, they they did knock out the A's there in that uh, 2017 playoff run, I believe, and that was the year they uh, defeated the L.A. Dodgers, and we saw the situation with Joe Kelly getting suspended for eight games, which really would be the equivalent of about a 20-game suspension if it was 162 right. games. But do you think there's any lingering animosity there? Could we see a similar kind of retaliation, do you think? You know, they've been asked that a lot this week, and, and they've been very good about saying, you know, listen, we, we don't agree with anything that they did. Um, we knew that was going on. I think they, they were like everyone in, in the league knew that, that there was something up there. They were hearing those noises, and they, they understood that some 
something fishy was going on and, you know, that the league finally paid attention when it was put out in the media um, is probably frustrating to everyone because I think it had been a couple seasons that, that there had been claim, you know, complaints that were being made through the proper channels through MLB. Um, and, um, you know, so there's always, a, I think, some lingering frustration, probably some sense of, uh, you know, that this is an organization that at least previous to this season did not have the values that maybe they would share in terms of competitiveness. Um, but at the same time, you know, they've been very clear the past is the past. Um, this season is what's happening now. You know, presumably that stuff's not going on anymore. And uh, basically it's been like 870 years since, <laughs> since March, right? So I think everybody feels like a lot of that is almost distant past because of the way that this whole year has kind of unfolded. Um, so they're very focused on, I think, what's going to happen this season. I think for the Dodgers, you know, they were in a World Series that came down to the wire and that, you know, those actions maybe literally robbed them of a ring. Um, you know, certainly I think the A's and missing out on division titles the last couple of years with the Astros being ahead of them, um, you know, have a right to feel wounded as well. But I think when you're in a World Series and you, you're that close to winning a ring and someone takes it from you, the, there's, the feelings there are going to be um, a lot higher. And, and, I mean, in Joe Kelly's case, I guess it was with um, the Red Sox and the ALCS the following year. But, um, but you know, I, I can understand where those feelings may run a little bit deeper. I think I doubt the A's emotions will be um, as high as you would have seen in that Dodgers series. One more question before we let you go, Melissa, which is, you know, I know you and Rick a few moments ago were talking about Jesus Lazardo and uh, and how he uh, performed coming up. Um, they've had high expectations for him for some time now. Who are some of the other guys that maybe A's fans or baseball fans or fantasy baseball fans can kind of keep in the back of their minds a prospect that might be called on during the course of this season? Um, because we're seeing a lot of call-ups around the league. Anybody from the A's that we should kind of uh, keep an eye out on? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, from a position player standpoint, they're they're so deep in their um, you know in their lineup that I don't know that you'll see any position player prospects break through uh, this season. They've got a number of good ones that are um, training in their alternate site in San Jose that I think will make a difference on their big league roster at some point in the next couple of years. But I, I don't know that they'll have a big opportunity this year. Um, but you, you've mentioned James Caprellian. He came up very briefly uh, this week, but he's a you know a guy that they've been very high on for a long time, and I think. Um, should there be another opening, he's obviously sort of up on that list of first guys to call. Um, he may start out more of an, in a relief role and then would move into a, a rotation type situation. I think, uh, you know, I would keep an eye on the health of AJ Puck. Um, he was supposed to be in their rotation and, and had a shoulder strain during that um, uh, spring training 2.0 or whatever they were calling it, summer camp. But um, he's still rehabbing. But when he does come back, I think they're looking at him in a relief role. But he's the kind of guy that I think could, if you're a fantasy player could rack up a lot of strikeouts if you're you know sort of playing in a league that does strikeout rates for relievers or pick up some vulture wins for you um so you know that that's somebody i think in about maybe three or four weeks you could start to see him come back for that second half of the season you know i said last question but i'm going to make one more really quick one which <laughs> is across the bay mike is Trimsky. this guy mm -hmm. is really uh you know he's coming back for, for uh, his second season looking like not a fluke. I mean, he's, he's been hitting pretty well. You know, are, uh, Bay Area fans excited about Mike Yastrzemski because the Giants, uh, you know, probably aren't a real serious contender, although they've, you know, played some decent ball in the early going this year. But uh, what are your just quick thoughts on Yaz? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he's a good player, and I think he's been a good player for a while. I think it's sometimes you need a change of scenery, and it just wasn't happening in Baltimore. And he got an opportunity with the Giants and really got a chance to show what he can do. But great approach at the plate, very athletic. He's got power to all fields. He can he can run the ball down in the outfield, a smart ball player. And, you know, I, I, we talk a lot about age in baseball, and I think sometimes people get dismissed because they're a little older when they first get up to the big leagues. But, you know, he's got fresh legs, he's got fresh eyes, and he's taking, you know, advantage of his opportunity. And I don't see why he couldn't put together a, a run of a few good years here uh, with the Giants and, and kind of be a fixture in their outfield yeah it's amazing i mean in in a, in a game where you're seeing more and more you know 20 21 year olds you know it's nice to see somebody gets to the the to the show at 28 and uh, following it up with his 29 year old season as a as a even better and, and looking looking like he could maybe string some seasons together like you just mentioned melissa thank you so much Always appreciate having you on, delivering great insight. If you could just quickly give our listeners how they can follow you and uh, if there are any promo codes for The Athletic. I'm a subscriber. I love it. I'm a fan for life. And uh, I think any sports fan will love it as well. Yeah, well, there's a, a seven-day free trial, so anybody who wants to sign up for a new subscription has seven days to try it out and see if they like it, and I, I think they really will because every sport that you like is really well covered. Um, you can find all my stuff on The Athletic, um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Melissa Lockard. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much. Stay safe, and uh, we hope to be able to circle up with you as, uh, I guess it's not an all-star break, but midway point. <laughs> Let's call it or something like <laughs> yeah, that. that sounds and good. see how the A's are doing. An all-star minute, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Great. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> thank you, Melissa. Thank you. That's Melissa Lockhart with The Athletic. She does a tremendous job, Rick. I really Full of information. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. We're up against commercial break. Let's take our final commercial, and we'll come back for the last segment and talk a little college football and get – from Rick what he delivers the best on, which is all things football. Stay with us. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Third and final segment. Delighted to be joined by my friend, all, the man who is the master of all things football, draft-related, college football, NFL. He is the founder of the NFL Draft Bible, Rick Saratella. Rick, we've got a few minutes left, so before we get into some football, during the break, you, would, uh, you and I were talking a little bit of baseball and about the Yankees. What, what, you know, usually, the last few years, I've kind of had the upper hand because the Red Sox have been a World Series machine but uh, I'm looking up at the uh, each game, uh, not not that excited about what the Red Sox are doing. You got to be ecstatic about the Yankees and that home run machine, Aaron Judge. Yeah, well, I mean, get used to looking up, Mike, because it's going to be a rough <laughs> year for both. I mean, see, that's why I wanted to empty you on the, on the shit talk, and I was like, you know, I got to jump in before he does. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you. I mean, it's it's really the deepest team. And I've been watching this team, you know, I go back to about 1986. I could tell you every starting lineup of the New York Yankees. And this is the deepest team that I've seen since that 1996 World Championship when you had guys like, you know, Cecil Fielder was on your your bench. You know, uh, Wade Boggs was split in time with Charlie Hayes. You know, Daryl Strawberry was a pinch hitter, essentially. Uh, Tim Raines was like (laughs) a pinch runner. You know, and so you look at like today, for example, they send down Miguel Andujar, who is a very young, promising player. But this team is so locked and so loaded. I mean, first base, for example, you've got this this young power hitter, Mike Ford, that can't get on the field because, oh, by the way, Luke Voigt has got four homers and he's just crushing the ball. And then, you know, Clint Frazier, who I'm a big fan of, he was crushing the ball during the spring training. And he's been ripping the cover off the ball down there in that alternate uh, uh, spring session or whatever. He's kind of been in the doghouse a little bit here in the Bronx with his long hair and kind of outspoken personality. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad they held on to this young man. And uh, they brought back Brett Gardner, who I was going to say is maybe a year too long. But all of a sudden you look up, he's got three or four homers. And you mentioned Judge. There's never been really a period where – Judge Stanton and 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 I'll throw Sanchez in there even though he doesn't deserve to be, but Stanton and Judge especially you haven't had those two guys healthy at the same time, and boy oh boy I mean this is like uh, the M M&M and M boys Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle, uh, Aaron Judge and Mike Stanton it's a shame they don't have a full season to show what they're capable of doing. I love that by the way you calling him Mike Stanton I I did the same thing on two shows ago. I keep forgetting <laughs> yeah. that John Carlo, you know? Yeah. Right, right, right. I revert back the same thing to Mike Stanton, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I mean, the Yankees, you know, they, what they're doing, as you can tell, I'm a little bit frustrated here, is is kind of what the Red Sox, you know, sh- should be doing right now, which is develop your farm system so that you're loaded with talent on the field, in the minors, or at the alternate site, or whatever the case may be. Now, obviously, they're in a difficult predicament, right? Because they had just come off of an amazing season and a World Series 
championship. But then last year they had, you know, a real down year. But it's kind of like the conflicting signals, right? You know, are you going to be signing Xander Bogarts? Are you keeping Jackie Bradley? Are you giving Chris Sale a long-term extension? Are you keeping bets? And it almost seems like they kind of hedged a little bit. Like, they kept some of the – or and even J.D. Martinez, right? So, like, they kept some of the guys and didn't sign some other guys, but they didn't do anything to improve their minor league system. Yeah, well, you know, Cashman worked hard on accumulating the talent there. And Glaber Torres is a guy, you know, homegrown talent – that arguably I think is the best player on the team. And then you got a guy like Mike Talkman who, who really never gets talked about. And this guy is another homegrown guy that, you know, on any other team, this guy would probably be hitting like the three hole. And again, you know, the Yankees are just, you know, having a hard time trying to get all these players on the field. Uh, Gio Urshela obviously came over in a trade, but another guy that's just, so far under the radar, I mean, I don't I don't believe there's a better glove on the hot corner than Gio Urshela. I mean, every night this guy is making a highlight reel play. I would say he's, he's probably on ESPN top 10 list every night, although I haven't watched ESPN in about two decades. Sports Center, that, that is. Uh, I'm but, with you. I'm with you. Uh-huh. You know, and then even today, I mean, you know, Jordan Montgomery takes the mound. Uh, he's a guy that came up through the system. That's been a kind of stopgap guy that can, you know, fill in when needed. And we mentioned the Mike Fords of the world and, you know, the bullpen there. Uh, they're extremely deep with guys like Louis Sessa and uh, Holder and Loisaga and Adovino. I mean, this guy has, has played a huge, huge role in the bullpen the last two seasons. So uh, they've accumulated the talent. But, you know, Cashman's also been pretty shrewd here bringing guys in like a like an Urshela, he, you know, they, they, they kind of laughed at him for bringing on Stanton initially. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that <laughs> is arguably one of the best hitters in baseball. I and mean, when you have a, a, a guy like Stanton and Judge and, and Glaber Torres and, and Gary Sanchez in the heart of your lineup, um, this is really, like I said, one of the most impressive teams I've seen in terms of depth. Again, I mean, it's very comparable to that 1996 magical run. Yeah, man, I, I cannot argue there as much as it pains me to say it and pains me more to see it. Uh, but this team, uh, if you're a Yankee fan, they are really fun to watch, man. And uh, I, I think I think this is going to be their year. You know, I, I don't. Well, I, don't I hope we don't get I hope down. we don't get robbed. I hope the season finishes because I feel like we got gypped in '94. So I just don't want to get chipped again here and not get that ring. Yeah, well, uh, here's the other thing, too, Rick, is that, you know, I think if they match up against another powerhouse, like let's say they get the Astros or something in the in the playoffs, you know, I think they're going to blow by them or blow by if the Red Sox get their act together or whatever. But it's where you don't want to get tripped up is in playing like the Twins – or the A's, or the Rays. You know, those are the type of teams that have nothing to lose. They're not supposed to beat the Yankees. And the Yankees kind of have a tough time with some of those teams sometimes. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I'm not too, I'm not too concerned about the A's or the, or, or the Twins, really. We've, we've done fairly well against those two teams in the playoffs. But the, the Rays 
are a team like we saw last year. And I know, you know, they're hovering around 500 right now. But if that team gets hot, again, I mean, they you, you got it right. They got none to lose, a bunch of young up-and-comers. I'll tell you the one team, and I don't know if the bats are there, Mike, but the, those Cleveland Indians, they've got some really good pitching. And as you know, uh, pitching wins come postseason. That's the one kind of dark horse candidate there. And I'm sure you could appreciate some Terry Francona who I believe is arguably the best manager in baseball, they're going to be there. They're going to be in contention to the very end. I love Francona, and you're absolutely right with Carrasco and, and Bieber and you know a, a lot of these young pitchers that are really, really good. They're going to keep the Indians in it for a long time, but I think you kind of nailed it. You know, Obviously, Francisco Lindor is one of the best in the game, but uh, I'm not sure up and down their lineup. Um, I, I would guess that if if they're if they're right there with good possibility for playoff positioning that they make a move may make a move uh for for another stick they got that Fran Mel Reyes guy who looks more like a, an NFL D lineman or something than than a baseball player you know I I saw him with the Padres coming up through that organization and bashing about 20 home runs before the All-Star break they traded him to the Indians he kind of I think is still facing American League pitchers for the first time. Um, so they'll need somebody like that to uh, to get hot uh, in order for them to be a serious contender or, like I said, make a move for a trade. Rick, we spent so much time talking baseball, and yet there's so much. I love it, yeah. Yeah, there's so much football to talk about. <laughs> obviously, we're going to have to have you back on again real soon. But in, in the couple of moments that we've got left, talk me off the ledge here, man. I'm not feeling very confident that there's going to be a college football season. And and if there is, it's going to be a select couple of conferences. But I don't know, man. I just don't see it, especially if students aren't going to be on campus. Uh, Talk me off the ledge. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you you predict? It doesn't feel right to me for the, at the college level, at least because, you know, you, you, as you can see, uh, MLB is a perfect example. You've got paid professionals that are having a hard time staying self-quarantined. Now, <laughs> you take it down to the collegiate level where they're quote-unquote amateurs, uh, you know, as, as one NFL <laughs> uh, team person that remains unnamed put it to me, I mean, these guys, these college kids, they're going to be chasing something, if you know what I mean. So to look at Rutgers, you know, they're at a frat party. All of a sudden, 20 guys come down with the covid to expect these guys to be living in kind of a college dorm bubble is just unrealistic, in my opinion. And I think the other thing that doesn't get talked about here, Mike, is, you know, it's not just football. I mean, it's other fall sports. Like, hey, it's not like they're just bringing football back. I mean, they've got to bring the other fall sports back as I well. Know. They've got to get those sports tested as well. I and know. This is a man. very costly proposition. That's why I don't believe there will be – any FCS team that can afford to play. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Also, unfortunately, we're out of time, Rick. So we're going to have to end it here. We're going to bring you back on soon. Resume the Absolutely. conversation. Rick, thank you, man. It's been a blast. Thank uh, you great for all pleasure. the listeners. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. 
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.